Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello, hello. Love Talk Radio. Hello, folks. This is Mark Falzon. I'm with Students for a Better Future and Youth for Independence Radio, all presented by Her Highness Doreen Finkel, one of the premier citizen activists we have in New Jersey. And I thank Doreen for giving me this opportunity again to be on the air. (coughs) Now, first, I promised some insight onto Kavanaugh. Here we go. Uh, The headline is, The Dems Blew It, Big Time. Here's why. Uh, We've all, or many of us, have heard that axiom. Those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. Well, there was a major, major strategic blunder made in the dark days of World War II, and thankfully for us, they were done. Here's the blunder. The dark days of the war, early on, the Germans have overrun Western Europe, Southern Europe, Central Europe. They haven't even invaded Russia yet. They're only opposing England. They're using their imposing Luftwaffe, the German Nazi Air Force. And what they're doing initially in the Battle of Britain is they're bombing the British airfields and any support apparatus with the airfields. They're bombing them day and night. The British are reeling. They can't even send up opposition aircraft because of this onslaught. Uh, The onslaught almost complete. The Germans are just about done completely demolishing the British Air Force, which would have given them control of the skies and probably victory in Britain. However, here's where the strategic mistake comes in. The British, from what I read now, I'm all doing this from memory, so uh, you'll have to check me if you'd like. The British all of a sudden see this massive raid coming across the channel with their radar. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bombers. And the British high command is, oh no, we're finished. This will do it. The British Air Force is destroyed. But the whole squadron of German bombers turned towards a British city. I forget if it was London or Manchester or what have you. But My point is they ceased their very uh, successful campaign of attacking the British Air Force, and they changed to attacking the cities. That saved the British Air Force. They were able to regroup, get their resources together, and were major factors then in the Battle of Britain. What the Dems have done is the same. They've taken their attention. Like the Germans, stop bombing the British airfields. The media, the Democrats have turned their attention from Donald Trump. This must have felt like a honeymoon for Mr. Trump. 
this past week and a half with everything Kavanaugh, 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 Kavanaugh. Uh, I think the Dems and the media were starting to have success in tainting Trump, even though it's over 90% negative, deceitful propaganda, leftist buzzword garbage. I think it was having an effect, but they've stopped. Our Donald is on a honeymoon, and thank God for that. Now, later on in the show, uh, at 8.30, we're having Trisha Flanagan call in. Then at 9 o'clock, I'm having Murray Sabrin call in. Now, I myself, I don't think these candidates uh, will be victorious, but they can have a dramatic impact on the overall results of the Senate race. Any votes that they acquire are votes not going to Menendez or Hugen, Hugen, whatever the hell his name is. Um, So we're going to have them on the air. If you want to call in, I'll put you on with them. You can ask them questions. Uh, I'm going to ask questions. Uh, It should be, uh, I think it's a big new show having both these candidates on at the same time. Now, you know what? We have some time. I'm going to go into my Middletown minute. I'm a resident of Middletown Township. I moved out here from New York City a long time ago. We'll put it that way, decades and decades and decades ago. This town helped me immensely right after Hurricane Sandy. I mean, after Sandy, we were devastated. Uh, All I had was the upstairs to my house. The downstairs was just eight feet of salt water destroying everything. Now, you also have to understand with a lot of people who weren't uh, impacted by Sandy don't understand. This is dirty, brackish bay water. Soon as the water recedes, mold, massive, ugly, virulent mold sets in. Anyway, I couldn't believe, like a few days after Sandy, I heard, oh, there's stuff at Croydon Hall for people that need it. I went to Croydon Hall. I needed everything. I mean, we didn't even have toilet paper, okay? Everything was gone. I, oh, excuse me. I stand corrected. We had a roll in the upstairs bathroom. Um, I went to Croydon Hall, uh, and I was brought to tears by the amount of assistance that people had donated for the Sandy victim. So safe, and also, I raised five children in this town. Um, I've lived here a long time. I've had many friends come and go for various reasons, death, disease, moving, uh, losing houses, etc., losing businesses. However, uh, I feel that these two gentlemen that I'm supporting now, Tyrone Woods, Glenn Doherty, uh, if you've seen that Benghazi movie, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, these are real-life 21st century heroes. And it was swept under the rug because, uh, you know, for politics, the uh, oh, jackass regime didn't want it shedding bad light on them. So everything was swept under the rug. Uh, however, you can't lose sight. These two men didn't have to go there. They went there. They saved 33 people and died in the process. I mean, real heroes. Look around you, folks. 
that's funny. I'm looking around myself, and I'm not seeing too many 21st century, true, real-life, red-blooded heroes emerge. These two men did. They emerged. And I'm going to be pushing, and this is going to take me probably years. I hope to get support of other people in the community. But I would like the main roads going through Middletown, Routes 35, Routes 36, in whatever order, to be named Glen Doherty and Tyrone Woods Boulevard. Uh, you know, uh, last week, when I thought I was going to be on the air Tuesday, uh, but we had technical difficulties, when when I announced that we were going to be on the air and my overzealousness, uh, I posted a quote by Abraham Lincoln, now paraphrasing, and the quote is, a nation that forgets or ignores its heroes will not long to exist. And, again, we have two real-life bona fide heroes in Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty, making the ultimate sacrifice, having loved ones behind, wives, children, and they still did this. They knew that they had a responsibility to their families, yet they they felt something to make them move into this dangerous area, something bigger than them, bigger than their attachment and responsibilities to their families. I mean, that's H-E-R-O, hero. Now, many of you, I don't know how many are listening, but back in the day, we used to have a sizable following. And back in the day, you know, we are students for a better future and youth for independence radio, formerly campus tea parties, by the way. Uh, one group uh, that was caught up uh, in the IRS conservative inquisition, but that's a story for another day. Uh, so w- w- back then, I would impress upon our students because whether in grammar school, middle school, high school, college, they're ill-educated is the term. You know, I heard Rush Limbaugh use my, that term the other day. I use it all over social media. They're ill-educated. So in, in order to break this this uh, unjust uh, aversion for socialism, and being that we do have students in chemistry and biology and and whatnot, to look at the the current, right now, real-life existence of the Petri dish of socialism, and this Petri dish is labeled Venezuela. My God, look at what socialism and Marxism have done to that country. Now, I'm not going to go into the litany of horrors, you know, the millions and millions of people, refugees, you know, eating the, the zoo animals, going through the garbage, inflation a million percent. I won't go into that. What I'm going to try and impress is socialism doesn't work because of human nature. Whomever is in charge, whoever has power in that socialist, Marxist environment just becomes tyrants. You know, it's the old thing of of uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's what happens. Look, uh, 
you know, let's look back at the track record of socialism. Now, I'm not sure of the exact count, but the way I look at it, it's O and 26. Zero wins, 26 losses. Now, with those 26 losses, we'll have to add in the debts of over 100 million, most of them innocents. How students, young people, leftists, how can you possibly support a system so callously tilled over 100 million people? Now, where am I getting that number from? From Mao, from Stalin, from Hitler. Yes, Hitler. Get this out of your head that the media tells you Hitler is right wing. No, Nazi. Do you know what Nazi is? Nazi stands for National Socialist. Hitler was a socialist. He was a leftist. So we have Hitler, Stalin, Mao, the three big players. Them alone are almost a hundred million. Then you have little guys that you know only killed in the in, in the in in the millions or the hundreds of thousands, like Pol Pot, Castro, Che. Okay, I despise this man. I posted on my Facebook page a while ago a picture of Che Guevara, the you know revolutionary hero. He was killing adolescent teenage girls. Several of them, three of them or four were on the floor already dead. Two were standing up. He was aiming his pistol at the next to last one who had this look of terror of horror in her eyes because she's just seen her peers gunned down by this man and now the gun's pointed to her. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to regurgitate that picture. I'm going to make a note and recirculate it because what impressed me was the look of the last girl, the one who the gun wasn't pointed at her yet and she was still standing. She looked at Shay with defiance, with uh, I, I just I couldn't believe her bravery at that moment. I don't know if I or any of you could say you could be as brave, knowing that okay, that next bullet in the chamber is headed right for my forehead. Uh, so, please, this love affair with socialism. Socialism does not work because of human nature. Now. What's the other side of the coin? Capitalism. Is capitalism perfect? Of course not, because, again, of human nature. However, what capitalism permits that socialism doesn't permit is social mobility. If you get lucky, you work hard, you're smart, you can make money, you can move out of the lower class or the middle class, you can earn money. You, you can support a family. This is what capitalism offers you that socialism does not. Now, America is the pride of the world now because of our middle class. Thank God we're returning after the oh, jackass regime maneuvers, which were everything he's done, it looks to me, was to aid our enemies and hurt America and hurt the middle class. Everything he's done, including and especially Obamacare, that 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 theft, that deceit that that was Obamacare. So we're coming out of that, thankfully. 
Uh, I, you know, the, the phrases I've been using is America in her collective wisdom elected Mr. Trump. Uh, and thank God for that. Uh, he's a, he's a straight-talking New Yorker. Yeah, he's not a choir boy. I understand that. But we're looking for the president of a nation. We're looking for someone to stand eye-to-eye, toe-to-toe with Putin, to stand eye-to-eye with China, to stand eye-to-eye with North Korea. And thankfully, that's working out well. Uh, so here we are. The, it's capitalism. Capitalism is not perfect, but it is by far, by far, the best system for the people. Now, we still have a few minutes till Trish comes on. I want to explain to the students, and I'm glad this is being recorded for Project. Here's what's going on here. Mr. Trump can't be bought. Mr. Trump can't be muscled. He can't be intimidated. Mr. Trump, now don't forget, he's given up a billionaire's lifestyle. The man could have spent the rest of his life in bed with his beautiful wife, having chefs bring him the most elegant meals, and he gave all of that up. He, because the man truly does you can see he loves this country. He loves our citizens. He loves our workers. Now, that runs directly counter to the whatever you want to call them. You know, I hate just labeling them New World Order or what do we want to call it, but they're a cabal of international folks of leftist ideology that feel that they know better than everyone else and we have to listen to their designs and their concepts and their dreams and all the rest of us can go to hell. Uh, then we have the climate change racketeers, I call them. Um, you know, those, those international people uh, all trying to fleece not just the American, but predominantly American, but the Western European tax base too. You know, I knew we were in trouble. Back then, I think it was the 90s, I was up late listening to the radio, and on the radio, it was talk radio, and this is, again, during Clinton, I believe, and the guest on the radio was a senior minister of a West African nation. And this man was on the radio proclaiming his country is going to need billions and billions of dollars from the U.N. to help them fight climate change. Now, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old New York City person, so uh, we're usually not as easily flim-flammed maybe as some others. I heard this guy and I thought, what a crock. So anyway, I the argument I love by the pro-climate change people is Trump pulled out of the Paris Accords. 120-something nations signed on to the Paris Accords. Why did they do that? What do they know? Well, here's, here's the news, cupcakes. The only reason 123 nations signed on is because our wonderful President Obama basically was opening up a cashier window to the U.S. Treasury, compliments of the U.S. taxpayer, and the United States was going to start issuing checks to all these countries that signed on to the accord, or most of them, and 
everything was going to be better. Uh, and this is why they they were all upset. And that's why 123 countries signed on. They're like, what? The United States is going to give me a check? Now, also, now, the, the, the other thing, how many nations on this earth are run legitimately? Uh, you think it's half? You think it's less than half? So wait a second. We're going to be giving money to governments. Guess with well, some of that money, if not all of it, is going to go right, right into their bank accounts, like Yasser Arafat, the the famed PLO warrior, uh, the, the crusader, uh, one who whose only cause was to his fellow Palestinian people. In the meantime, when he died, he had billions of dollars in the bank. Where do you think that money came from? That money came from dumbasses in the West giving the PLO money. Now, was he using this money? He didn't even use the money to buy weapons, for God's sakes. He just put it in his own bank account. You see, this is what happens. I'll go back and point out socialism. It doesn't work because of human nature. Capitalism, is it perfect? No. But it's the best thing we've got because why is the United States still the wealthiest and the biggest economy in the world? Is it because of socialism? Hell no. Hell no. Socialism restricts commerce, restricts ingenuity, restricts innovation. No, you want, let's air it out, keep it open. We have social net programs. Notice how with the booming economy, millions of people are coming off the food stamp rolls. That saves us a lot of money. Now, the only thing we have to do is get uh, is dealing uh, one of the major issues, and I'm going to switch gears, uh, with, with illegals, is the fact that a lot of them work off the bus. They can't work legally because they don't have Social Security numbers. Or else, did, did, did you see that number? The, what is it? Uh, 39 million Americans had their identity stolen by illegal immigrants, or, you know, Trump wanting to work and having to provide Social Security numbers. So the thing is, we, we have a huge underground economy, not being taxed any way, shape, or form. The employers aren't paying their tax. The employees aren't paying their tax. And then I'll tell you what I see what goes on. Because, again, I came out of New York City. Uh, you have even whether married or not, on paper, the husband either has no income or the woman has no man in the house. She goes to WIC. In the meantime, the husband or the significant other is working off the books and collecting money. So these are major issues. Now, you know, uh, I, I, I don't even want to hear the word racist. To me, racist is, is so 20th century. It's like, please, no, you're illegal. I don't care if you're from Albania or if you're from Mexico. If you're here illegally, we don't want you here. If you're here illegally and working, uh, maybe we're going to work something out, but you've got to pay your damn taxes and you've got to pay fines because we know you were working and you didn't pay taxes on that. Hello? You know, we, you see, the problem is, has anyone had issues with the IRS? You see how they are. If they come after you, they want to wring you out like a towel. Every drop of water and money that they can get out of you. But then on the other hand, they're blind, 
to this huge underground economy. They're blind to this huge cost and burden of the social benefits unjustly. We got poor people in America. Hey, God bless them. Let's help them. But uh, can we end this, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're father to the world because we can't afford it. Guess what? There's six, over six billion people out there. Uh, we can't support them all. Hello. So we'll go into that. Now, I also want to remind the students, you know, being that we've taken a bite out of socialism tonight, I wanted to remind them that Martin Luther King, very famous civil rights guy, brave man, I have to say I, I admired him, his, his public persona. He was a Republican. He could never dream of joining the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party, now in the 21st century, the Democrat Party basically calls the shots for Antifa. They call the shots for Black Lives Matter. Notice the pattern. Democrats, early 20th century, violent groups. Democrats, early 21st century, violent groups. I mean, come on now. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm getting on in years, okay? I'm a grandfather. But I, I have to tell you, uh, I wouldn't mind running into some of these Antifa guys because I'm, I'm not impressed. I mean, I, I, I don't see the Hulk wearing uh, a hoodie and covering his face. No, I'm seeing little skinny, puny, little, uh, you know, I have to watch my language, semi-masculine. You know, some uh, literature professor or something like that, just because you got a little baton, guess what? I'll take you on with a freaking baton. Good luck with that. Uh, but anyway, don't forget, Martin Luther King was a, a Republican. It was the Democrats that had the slaves. It was the Democrats that fought every piece of civil rights legislation up until the 1960s. They were the enemy of colored people. They were the enemy of poor people, just like they are now. Because I tell you what, uh, did you see what happened to Candace Owens, a black pro-Trump woman, viciously attacked by these unhinged maniacs and uh, it's okay. Oh, the fact that she's a black woman, well, that's okay. we could attack her. That's okay because she likes Trump. No, it's not okay. What the hell is that? I don't want to see anti or pro-Trump people being attacked. But uh, it's getting out of hand. And uh, just uh, be careful what you wish for, leftists, because there's a backlash out there that's going to come up and bite you in the fanny. So just watch what you're doing out there. I know, you know, I wish I was still in Manhattan in the senior executive circles going to nice restaurants or whatnot because I'd love to encounter someone yelling at someone else because they're conservative or they like Trump because guess what? I'm getting involved. I can't wait to see something like that because what the hell is wrong with these people? 
I, I, you know, and the sad thing is, you know, I call them herd animals. And I call them herd animals because I say they're following the asses in front of them, you know, just like a huge herd of uh, zebras or buffalo or whatnot. You're following the asses in front of you. The war things that are Pelosi or Waters, and they take it to heart. They believe it. Uh, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at the uh, ignorance of these people. And again, I'll go back to that term, ill-educated. Now, also, there's a new term I'm starting on Facebook, and I'll do it on Twitter, too. Uh, I use the term Dembots. Now, if you notice this on Facebook, you have these names like John Smith, Charles White, Bill Grady, you know, all these innocent, innocuous-sounding Anglo names. And uh, I know I could tell by what they're writing, what they're saying, how they're posting that they're leftist trolls. I, I, now, I may be misusing the term bots because they're real people, but I'm using them because they're, they're anonymous. They're incognito. They're deceiving their true identity, and they're trying to perpetuate this uh, deceitful myth of socialism uh, because guess what? The best thing that happened to this country this century has been Donald Trump. No doubt about it. Look how the economy's taken off. Look at it. Just amazing. You know, a few years ago, uh, two years ago, uh, you know, I have uh, five children, all adult children, and I uh, was sitting around my sons, some of my sons, some of their friends, all young men, and I was telling them, I hope you get to witness a overheated economy like we did in the 80s, like we did in the 90s, because what I saw our youth going through now, I have adult children, and I love my children, and I'll give my arms and legs for them. So I'm very involved with them. I know what's going on. And it's a shame what I saw all these young men and young women going through, and not just my own, uh, their friends, uh, because... You know, my sons were very athletic, so, you know, a lot of guys from the football teams and the hockey teams and the baseball teams and all that, and uh, we have a very wide circle. I have several what I call adopted sons, you know, young men who lived with us for a while for whatever circumstances in their life. We thought, sure, sleep on the couch, sleep wherever. We're not going to let you sleep outside. So I'm so happy for this generation, you millennials, you folks coming out of college. The only thing is, the only advice I'll give is the same advice I give my children. When you're in college, go for engineering, any type of engineering. (laughs) You you will never want. Um, I don't know about uh, going to school for African studies or transgender interactions, uh, I don't know if you're going to find a decent-paying job with that. Oh, here we go. Hold on. Trisha's dialing in. Hello, Trisha. Do you hear? Hi, Jim. Thanks. Uh, How are you doing? Oh, I am doing fine, man. Thank you very much for being so punctual. Oh, well, hey, I aim to please. You know, don't want to keep the audience waiting, very good sign. (laughs) You must be a conservative because only the conservatives have that business sense to be punctual. Uh, I noticed that Democrats definitely don't have it. 
Uh, and we'll see how the Libertarian does, see how pink punctual he is. So, Trish, listen, thank you for calling. I'm going to give you an opportunity to have an opening statement. you got the floor. Air it out, Trisha. Uh, well, thank you. Again, thank you uh, to you as well as to your audience. Thanks for giving me this platform to talk about these really critical issues that are facing all of New Jersey. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting to note that, uh, you know, a lot of pundits think that New Jersey is a blue state. Well, you know, I have a heavy background in data science and analytics, and it, it shocks most folks when you dig into the data to see that New Jersey actually skews conservative by the demographic. So I hear a lot, well, then what happened in 2016? Why didn't Trump get more than 1.5 million votes? Why didn't he take the state with more than 43%? And the issue there is that that was more of a turnout issue than a demographic one. We have 5.8 million registered voters in the state of New Jersey. The breakdown is that 2.4%, excuse me, 2.4 million the largest voting bloc are actually independents that skew conservative in New Jersey. A little bit different in other states, like in Vermont, for example, independents tend to be Democrats and they're more fluid. In New Jersey, Democrats are Democrats and independents skew conservative. 2.4 million. We outnumber the establishment Republicans by two to one. Establishment Republicans are 1.2 million. Democrats are only 2.1 million. So we're the largest voting bloc independent Republicans. So the issue here is that, you know, when we look at New Jersey being as uh, conservative as it is by the demographics, not by the voting trends, and we intend to change that, we look at uh, state legislature, the gubernatorial office, we look at the uh, U.S. Senate, skews uh, liberal and represents less than 50% of our population as a voting demographic. We need to change that. And we can't do that with a Republican in name only. That's Bob Hugan. He's already said in his own words that he is going to be a different kind of Republican that embraces a liberal pl- platform. Well, we call that thought, another uh, Trish, Democrat. Trish, I just, Trish, mm-hmm. I just thought he was doing that just to pander to the left, you know, and, and pander to those left of center voters. Um, you know, I, I just saw that as posturing. You know, because I've seen his statements. I'm lukewarm on him myself. You know, there's a few things that I don't like. But, you know, all these guys are all posturing. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to get elected. Now, Trish, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, yeah. it's funny you, you talk about the conservative aspects of Jersey. Because a while ago I was getting so ticked off, I thought, you know what? Monmouth and Ocean County, heavily conservative, should secede from the rest of the state. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, you know, uh, we'll, well, you know, we'll, we'll just call it Jersey Shore or a state like that <laughs> because uh, Monmouth and Ocean really get ripped off. Well, Alaska is threatening cessation, so we might be right behind them, right? But uh, you're right. Ocean County went uh, over 90% for President Trump in 2016. Uh, We really do have, in a a lot of ways, two parts of New Jersey. But again, we skew uh, right of center as a whole. So I'm all for unifying, uh, and I'm all, all for getting representation for this more than half of the state that's not represented. But we can't do that with somebody who panders to the left. Look, at the, at the end of the day, you know, if you can't trust a candidate uh, to be truthful before the election, you really trust them to be truthful afterward? I don't think so. 
I don't trust any of them. Uh, I have to be honest with you. Now, because you're new, I trust you. You haven't done anything to warrant my distrust. But, I mean, you take Menendez here. You have to be kidding me. Although, you know, I'm going to throw this in. Um, there, there was a recall Menendez movement a few years ago, and I was wor- I was helping them with the IT and the web hosting and the whatnot because that's what my career was. However, I had a lot of respect for Men- Menendez when he went public against the Iran deal because even a Republican named Corker helped mm-hmm. Obama push and be successful with the Iranian deal. Menendez went public against it. Now, I remember this very well. Months and months and months before even any charges were brought up, the Department of Justice announced, we're going after Menendez because, you know, it was the Obama Department of Justice. So, of course, they're vindictive in their political zeal. You know, they're not looking in the national interest. They're looking in the ideological interest. And Menendez stood up to Obama, and that's why he went to trial. That's why these charges were brought up against them, because the vindictive leftists, they have no problem eating their own uh, in any way, shape, or form. And you can march with them 90% of the time. That one time you go against them, they're going to put that dagger right in your neck. But I'm sorry to take away from your time, Trish. Go ahead, hon. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm never going to defend anything the left does. And, and let's face it, even a blind squirrel gets in that once in a while. So I can't, you know, give Menendez any credit for being on the right side of something when he's on the wrong side of almost everything else uh, in, in both the U.S. Senate and in morality. Um, look, I'm not perfect, but I'm a Sunday school teacher. Even my son says, uh, if you're looking for mommy, she's at the church. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, and it doesn't mean I'm ready to judge anybody. But what, I, what it does mean is that I know right from wrong. And I teach my children mm-hmm. right from wrong. And never in, you know, in any sort of, you know, uh, you know book that is right, are you going to read the lines, get federally indicted for corruption while you're a U.S. senator. And that's what happened to Bob Menendez. And I don't think that he was as much targeted as much as he was guilty. And just because he was acquitted, uh, it was a hung jury. There were a lot of problems with that trial. But just because he was right. acquit- acquitted doesn't mean that he wasn't guilty. Yeah. Right, right. It was a haunting. Oh, yeah. No, no, I understand it. But my, my, my position is all of them do it. And then when you step out of line, what, what you're doing now will be held against you. If you stay in line and march to the drumbeat, no one's going to bring charges on you. You step out of line and, you know, the, as the song goes from Buffalo Springfield, step out of line, the men come and take you away. Um so that's what happened with him. I'm not saying he was a saint. You know, far from it. Mm. But again, I was assisting the recall Menendez movement. Okay, um, mm-hmm. but uh, he just stepped out of line, and that's what happened. And I, I noticed that, again, and you have to notice how vindictive they are. You know how they were. And especially even the group I'm with now that's sponsoring this program, the original one, Campus Tea Parties, the IRS put us through the ringer, just like they did uh, uh, in some other groups. Now, I wanted to ask you, where do you stand on the uh, issues of the day? Let's talk about that. Don't you want our voters to hear that? Where do you stand on immigration, our state budget, our tax burden, this gasoline tax farce 
that has automatic uh, increases. Boy, is that reprehensible. Um, uh, where do you stand on those, Trish? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot to unpack. And, you know, so let's start with, I think the first thing you said was immigration. So, uh, right. you know, I'll start with, uh, you know, with uh, stating clearly and succinctly that I am for both funding and building the wall. Uh, you know, I, I embrace uh, and support the national GOP platform. And, and by the way, that's the same national GOP platform that Bob Hugan has stepped away from and does and, and basically denounces and that Menendez never embraced in the first place. So what does that mean? The national GOP platform, let's say, you know, again, immigration, it's, uh, it's protecting our borders, it's securing our borders with a wall. Again, I'm for fully funding and uh, building that wall if we have to do it from the defense budget. Uh, let's talk about that. I think that there are means and, uh, and, and certainly options available there. But why do I say that? Well, New Jersey uh, is, is safer with a wall that is on our borders. Well, you might say, well, we're really far away from uh, where that wall is going to be built. But you know what? New Jersey suffers the breaches in that wall and you know we are we stand to become the next california we have to just look to the west coast to see what could be in our future if we don't secure our borders and secure our state we also have to make sure that we're for legal immigration Uh, i come from legal immigrants just two generations back from sweden Uh, my family did it the right way they couldn't wait to become citizens and learn the language and be productive members of the of the country that they that they called uh, home. Uh, yeah, you know, Trish, I got to tell you, American Trish, yeah, first yeah. generation myself, okay, my father mm-hmm. born and raised in Europe. Um, the thing, uh, when, when, I, when I argue with these immigration bozos, because, I mean, uh, any, anyone who's an advocate of open borders either has... N- absolutely no grasp of the facts or they're lying and they have a hidden agenda. Uh, the thing that mm-hmm. I try and tell people is, uh, you know, when, when I hear this white privilege immigration baloney, I tell, excuse me, the only thing our white relatives would have gotten compliments of the U.S. taxpayer was a ticket back home if they couldn't satisfy the immigration criteria. And that criteria was when my father came over here, do you have a place to live? Do you have a job? You answer no to any one of those questions, have a nice damn day. You're going back to wherever the hell you came from. And then the U.S. taxpayer no longer had to pay your rent, no longer had to pay your phone, no longer had to pay your food bill, no longer had to pay your legal bills. Uh, which uh, this uh, I call him the the, the Murph, you know, our, our governor. Um, U.S. taxpayer was on the hook for none of those things with when white immigration took place. So just know that. Also, I want to talk about the diseases that are popping up now from all these illegal immigrants coming in. Because guess what? They're the poor of poor nations. I doubt if any of them have their inoculations. Now, uh, you know, so, oh, that's racist. Oh, please, uh, you know, again, that's, calling someone racist is so 20th century. But uh, I, I just had to throw that in. I'm sorry that, that irks me. Go ahead. Okay, so we did immigration, so you're for that. Now, I want to ask you a question. Obviously, any votes that you acquire are going to come at the expense of Mr. Who, who you, how do you pronounce his name? 
Well, he pronounces it Eugen uh, uh, from what Yeah, Eugen, Eugen. So, Eugen. so any votes Eugen. that you yeah. get, are, you're, you're going to be siphoning off from him. Now, I would think no. the other candidate, Sabrin, he's going to be siphoning off votes from Menendez predominantly. No. So yeah. we have a very you, – you, you, even though you're a third or fourth party candidate, you can have a significant impact on the direction of the state because of your candidacy. candidacy. And you are aware of that, right? Well, I have to challenge your statistics in your mouth for a second because, again, when you look at the voter blocks, I, I said previously that I'm drawing from the 2.4 million indep- registered independents who skew conservative. There's a whole mat, what I'll call the MAGA segment. They are not the establishment Republicans, okay? Uh, the, the establishment Republicans, the NJGOP, Bob Hugan, he, they have uh, done what I call like the puffed up cat routine. So, you know, when a cat, a little thin, skinny, small cat wants to make themselves look important and intimidating, they puff themselves up with their fur. That's what the NJGOP is trying to do, and that's what Bob Hugan is trying to do. So, they are the smallest voter block in New Jersey. They're 1.2 million voters, registered voters. Okay. Right. Again, compare that to the 2.4 million independents that are registered. You conservative. So my argument is, I you know what? Take your even if you can make the argument that Bob Hugan could get all of those 1.2 million registered establishment Republicans, mm-hmm. which he cannot, because let's remember in the primary on June 5th. He only got a, hundred, a little over 167,000 votes, 167,121. Only, only about 200,000 even bothered to vote in the primary. That's less than 20% of their own base. So yep. even if you want to be absurd and make the argument that he'll get 1.2 million votes, all of them, he can have those. I am drawing from the 2.4, again, registered independents who skew conservative. That's where the MAGA segment resides. The MAGA group, the MAGA voters don't like the establishment to begin with. That's an elite little club that they don't, they don't really, they're not interested in it. So to say, that Trish, to say Trish, that I'm taking it was wrong. Right, yeah. You know, Trish, I, I know, I, I hear you. You're preaching to the choir. Um, you, go, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bill Spady on 101.5. You know, yeah, I, I only I'm heard of Oh, good. You, you you should try and do that as much as you can because I only heard about you from our mutual friend Joe Rulo. I didn't even know about your candidacy. You you don't have much time. Uh, were you reaching out to Tea Party groups to help you? You know, there's still uh, active Tea Party networks in this state. Mm-hmm. You know, we yes, haven't all have- gone away. Yeah, yeah, I have reached out. Uh, I'm also running a primarily digital campaign. Uh, I come from, a, again, hardcore analytics, digital marketing background, as well as I, I was a biochemist uh, to start with, yeah. but that's another story. You don't know, you know what it is. What banner, what, what banner are you running on the, on the ballot? Tushin Party? What, 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 which no, one? No, no, I'm the independent. I'm the independent. So just let me give okay. you an analogy. Just like Bernie Sanders was the independent, and he won. I mean, you know, we have, a, we have a strong history. By the way, let me just quote this. In our nation's history, 51 independents have been elected to Congress. Uh, 29 of them have been independent Republicans. 
the rest of an independent Democrats like Bernie Sanders. So let's look at Bernie Sanders, Joe Lieberman, who was one of the vice presidential candidates and also right. a senator from uh, Connecticut. Okay, so they're independent Democrats. So when they were on there was the Republican, the uh, Democrat, and the Independent. I'm similar. I am uh, Menendez is a Democrat. Bob Ugin is the Republican, and I am the Independent. Now, on the ballot, they don't print that you're an Independent Republican. They just pr- they just print Independent. And if you look at my Ballotpedia, Independent. I'm the Independent. And then you're right. Okay. There are Murray Sabrin's the Libertarian. Then there's the Constitutional Party, which is Natalie Rivera, I believe. Then there's uh, the Green Party. But I am, you know, there are really three major major parties in this country. Let's face it. There's the Republican, the Democrat, and the Independent. And I would argue that we have our first independent Republican president in office right now, even though he did run on the, on the uh, Republican ticket. I don't think you can make the argument at all that he's an establishment Republican at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, God bless Mr. Trump. You know, I got to tell you, when back in the day, I wasn't a fan of Trump. You know, he was always in the news, even back in the 90s, in the 80s. Trump was in the news, and I wasn't a fan of the guy. I, you know, I well, look at this spoiled little rich kid, and I actually did some research into him, and I came away impressed. I was like, yeah, okay, he started off with money that none of us, 99.9% of us don't, but this man still built an international multi-billion dollar business empire. So he started off with several million, maybe a building, okay, but look what he has accomplished. And now also, if you look how he's outwitted all the political wonks the past few years, you have to admit the man has a lot on the ball. And uh, I'm, I'm, I was pro-Trump the moment he was at the top of that escalator. And my sentiment was no politician is going to remotely come close to fixing the mess we're in. But, you know, uh, we have about 10 minutes left for you, Trish. Uh, is, is there, a, you know, I'll open the mic for you. You can go to town. I mean, no scripts, no, uh, no uh, what did I say, abridgments on what you want to do. Go ahead, Trish. Well, thank you. Uh, hey, I'll, you know, I'll take 10 minutes when I've tossed it. Uh, you know, uh, I think that aside from all of the numbers, I, I, I think, again, I'll underscore how, uh, you know, anybody saying that, that uh, an independent camp in New Jersey is, is wrong by the numbers. It's a math equation. And uh, 2.4 million uh, independent uh, conservatives to draw from is not anything to discount. But that aside, mm-hmm. the reason that we vote, it's, the reason we vote is, you know, we vote our conscience, we vote our heart. And we are in a fight right now. We're in a battle for the heart and soul of our Republican Party in New Jersey. And sometimes you have to step away uh, when things are going the wrong way. Independent patriots marched into New Jersey once in our history to save our, to really start our country and to pull us back from the establishment. And I think we're, you know, we're about to do that again. And, and what I'm advocating for is to look at what we really are as a Republican Party. I mentioned the national GOP platform, pro-life, pro-Second pro Amendment. We didn't really touch on that, but that's an important part of it. We have constitutional provisions that we can stand on to push back on the encroachment of our constitutional rights in the state. That also goes to the tax issues that you talked about. We don't have to sit back, but what we need to do is we need to elect a senator who not only knows 
the constitutional provisions we can stand on, and that's what I believe we can do. I know that backward and forward, and I'm ready to fight for us to take back our constitutional rights. I've already reached out to like-minded candidates and even sitting uh, senators to begin forming the idea of a constitutional caucus. We have a Freedom Caucus right now. Uh, Rand Paul, uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of senators uh, that that we know embrace the Freedom sure, Caucus. Mike Lee, yeah, Mike Lee, Goma, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Mark Gates, uh, you know, uh, Jim Jordan. Um, and what we need to do, in my opinion, is uh, pair that with a constitutional caucus. And what that would mean is, you know, we, we need to form a constitutionally protective lens through which we view all legislation that comes to the floor. Our right yeah, especially on citizens. spending, especially pertaining to spending, because uh, it, we're, we're just completely out of control, completely out of control. Uh, you know, I have one, one pet peeve I have is toll booths. Like when they started putting in billions of dollars into Easy Pass, I knew we were doomed. That because they were pouring so much money into this technology, there's no way would they ever get rid of toll boots. But here's where I'm going with this. Every year, look at the destruction and loss of life that occurs around toll boots. So our powers that be have no problem you know, causing chaos to the point where it, it looks like the casualty report from the first day of the Battle of the Somme in World War Two. You know, unlimited uh, carnage and destruction, human and material, and that's what goes on around our toll booths. I mean, how often you listen to traffic reports? Accident by these, the hillside uh, toll booths. Accident by the railroad and toll booths. It's always around. A lot of the times, it's around the thing. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I had a friend that worked for. The, as a financial advisor to the uh, Turnpike Authority, and what these people were making over there, you know, they're just patronage mills. These semi-government organizations, uh, I don't know if they're NGOs or what, but uh, these, these like offshoots of the government responsibilities just get loaded up by the powers that be in nepotistic and friends and allies and supporters and whatnot. And that's why we have so much money problems. But Trish, listen, I want to, uh, is there anything you want to part with? Any, you want to say something to our enlightened voters out there? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'd just like to, to say you know, perhaps more to come. I mean, I, I will talk about my health care plan as well at another time. It doesn't sound like we have time for it right now. But, um, you know, the bottom line is, uh, you know, I thank the New Jersey voters for listening. I ask them to keep an open mind. And, again, the numbers that I've gone through show it can happen. We can win this. And what I ask you to do is consider what you really want moving forward. What kind of what kind of Republican Party do we want for generations to come? If we hand it over to a, a Republican in name only who has embraced the liberal, liberal platform, we're handing our party over to the Democrats. It doesn't matter then if Menendez is elected or Hugan. You're going to get the same result. With me, you will get an absolute difference. I'm already fighting for you, New Jersey. I ask for your support, and I ask for your vote on November 6th. We can do this, and we can take our state to a place better than it's ever been before, and we can have New Jersey lead the way for all America. All right, listen, thank you very much. And you've got an uphill battle because I'll tell you, this Hugan 
He has money. I know I get the emails. Uh, and they were $25 an hour for Yugen uh, campaign workers. They're, they're paying. So th- this campaign has deep pockets. Probably uh, national Republicans are helping them because they see a chance, you know, even if it's uh, a bit of an outside chance of unseating Menendez. But you're up against an, one opponent with an established base and large funds and a and an opposition candidate with deep pockets. So it's going to be it's rough and tumble, Tricia. I have admiration and respect for you for even attempting this. And you have, have you and your family have a good evening, ma'am. Well, thank you. Uh, God bless you. God bless New Jersey and God bless the United States of America. Thank <laughs> you. Here, here. Thank you. Bye, bye. Okay, folks. That's. Yeah. Uh, that, that concludes the Trish Flanagan. She's, like she says, the independent candidate. Now we're waiting for Murray Sabrin to call. Uh, you know, I was joking before that. It seems like the, the conservatives are the only one with this business sense of being punctual. Uh, and I, I was poking fun at the Democrats and the Libertarians. Uh, I, I asked Mr. Sabrin to call in at 9 and he conf- not only did he say okay, he confirmed it later on this afternoon. So we'll wait for Mr. Sabrin to call in. Um, in, in, in the uh, m- m- meantime, I wanted to uh, poke fun at the uh, NFL. I, I'm one of those people that are boycotting it. I mean, I watched over 50 consecutive Super Bowls. I didn't watch this last one. It was a, just just think about that. Over 50 years of watching Super Bowls. That's how much this has an impact on me. Because, again, not that I don't think there is an injustice in the world. Of course there's injustice in the world. It's, it's human nature. Um, but uh, to disrespect the national anthem, uh, to me, is re- reprehensible. I, you know, what... I used to say on previous programs was, you see where we are and where we've gotten this far as as a nation and as a people. Well, look down at your feet because you got here standing on the corpses of over a million people that sacrificed their lives to get us here. So, God damn it, you just can't throw that away. Uh, Just even for the sacrifices that were made before we were here. We have to continue what we have going on here, and that's a capitalistic constitutional republic because, no, we are not a democracy. So when you hear all these news partners, it's a democracy and a democracy, we don't do this, and a democracy, 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 it's like a a schmuck. Well, we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. Hello. So anytime you hear someone use that word, even Trump's used it. It's so misused. But just know what's really behind that. No, we're not a democracy. No, we're not. Thank you. And we're waiting for Mr. Sabrin. You know, I'm really serious about this Middletown Minute business uh, because I think it would say something. And Middletown can make a statement that, hey, these real-life 
21st century heroes are not going to be ignored by the citizens of Middletown. Now, Middletown is a Republican bastion, so I'm hoping that maybe in a few years this can can come to fruition. Uh, you know, no, because I'm realistic, I don't expect it to happen overnight. You, you know, um, some of you folks may be listening for the first time don't know I was heavily involved in the Tea Party movement. Uh, I I feel I got started the Tea Party movement, Obama's inauguration when he said we need a civilian force as well trained, as well funded as the military. I was screaming at the TV to the point my wife was begging me, please stop the neighbors. I think you're yelling at me. That's how upset I was because the first thing I thought of was, let's see, the Gestapo, uh, the, the, the KGB, uh, the East German secret police, uh, or you know, these things don't end well. They never end well. You, you know, and I was worried if Hillary Clinton was elected president, she would make Black Lives Matter the official, you know, non-military resident police force or the national police force of the United States. I was really worried about that because I can, because she just don't give a damn. And she'll succumb to any pressure just, uh, you know, so that uh, she can go about her, uh, oh, I can't say that on the air. Oh, it looks like, hold on, we have a call. I hope it's Mr. Sabrin. Hello, caller. Is this Mr. Sabrin? This is Murray Sabrin. Oh, you're right on time. Uh, I was joking about the punctuality of Democrats and Libertarians, and here you are right on the dime. Well, listen, sir, thank you very much for calling in. Um, I'm going to tell you, previously we had Trish Flanagan on the air for 30 minutes. We're going to give you the same amount of time. We're going to treat you as fairly and as terrific and uh, up upstanding as we can. So I'd like to give you time to make an opening statement. The floor is yours, Mr. Sabrin. Well, thank you so much. Uh, uh, this is an important race, not only for the people of New Jersey, but for the people of America. Uh, I'm running against, uh, we know, a corrupt, unethical uh, member of Congress who's probably one of the most pro-war members of Congress. He uh, is certainly not a, 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 a congressman for peace. And so uh, what I'm trying to do is go to the United States Senate, make the case for peace, liberty, and prosperity, our campaign message, and that will allow the people of New Jersey and the people of the nation to live in a more peaceful world, to have their civil liberties protected, and to finally downsize the welfare state with my proposal for universal credits for donations to nonprofits and houses of worship. This will allow the money to stay in New Jersey and every other state, so the nonprofits that are doing great work in our communities from Bergen to Burlington, from uh, Sussex to Salem, uh, the, the Habitats for Humanities, all the houses of worship, uh, the health centers, the, uh, the uh, women's shelters, the food banks, uh, the colleges, universities, and hospitals, they would be able to make the case to the people directly. And so it wouldn't cost the, uh, the people of New Jersey any more money to be more philanthropic. And that's how America was built, by the mutual aid society from the colonial times up until the present. Now we call them nonprofits. And so uh, I'm the one that's talking about real solutions to the problems facing the country. Instead of, um, uh, instead of criticizing uh, the uh, character of, of the candidates, uh, even though there's enough to criticize about, 
But the point is, people are looking for solutions. I've been all over the state. People discussed it with both the Republicans and Democrats. I think people are ready for an independent voice to go to the United States Senate to say enough is enough. Uh, remember the old Supreme song, stop in the name of love. I want to say stop in the name of freedom. Uh, we have to have more freedom for the people of the United States, for families, for communities to be uh, not burdened by the mandates out of Washington or even Trenton for that matter. And by being a United States senator, I think I can also affect policy here in the state of New Jersey, which we desperately need because we have a governor who thinks that money grows on trees. And therefore, he can just tax, 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 and there'll be no adverse consequences for the economy. But as a finance professor for 33 years, for someone who's studied business for nearly a half a century, I think I'm the type of person that can make a difference in, in Washington, D.C., because I'm not beholden to any special interests. Special interests won't become knocking at my door because I have nothing to offer them except freedom. And if people want freedom, then vote for me. If you want the status quo, if you want big government, vote for the Republicans or the Democrats because they're responsible for the budget. They're the ones that are responsible for the debt. They're responsible for the Federal Reserve that's given us these uh, uh, financial bubbles. They're responsible for the uh, deprivation of our civil liberties with the Patriot Act and other things. So I think I can go to Washington and take on both the Republicans and Democrats because uh, uh, someone has to do it. Uh, all they're doing is bickering amongst each other. And meanwhile, the budget keeps on growing under so-called fiscally responsible or fiscally conservative Republicans. This is the great yeah, thing that's, in America. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one main thing disappointing me in the Trump administration is the ongoing deficits. Uh, but I'm hoping as his uh, term, you know, as we get deeper into his term, he's going to be, you know, he's doing this because the Democrats are insisting on it. Uh, I'm hoping he could stifle more of their ill-bent ambitions and cut down on it. But and now you also said something else, a magic word to me, mandates. I mean, yes. sir, let's take the normal town in New Jersey. How much of their budget is mandated to be spent by Trenton? Is is it over 80 percent? Is it something like that? I have uh, at this point, I, I haven't looked at that, but I can tell you one thing. One of my proposals is to eliminate what President Reagan wanted to do, at least candidate Reagan wanted to do, is get rid of the Department of Energy and Education. They each spend around $70 billion a year, so we can get rid of that and save $140 billion. We can get rid of wow. foreign aid of $50 billion. There's nearly $200 billion right there, and by doing so, we can finally get rid of the corporate income tax and uh, have income only taxed once at the shareholder level, which is what uh, small businesses are taxed when they have S-corporations. And this would make the United States the greatest magnet for capital around the world. Every business around the world would, op would want to open up a factory here. Right, yeah, they, they all want tax. to come here. They'd all want to well, come to the get... biggest, best bazaar on, the, bazaar on the globe. Well, let's give them a huge incentive to come here. Instead of uh, all these crony deals that have been going on under both Republicans and Democrats, and so what I'm proposing is a free market economy, finally, after uh, decades of cronyism from both the Republicans and Democrats. And when we mm -hmm. have a free market economy, we will have the best economic outcomes because that will reflect what the people want rather than what the politicians and their crony business people want. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, I can make the case that uh, we need more free enterprise, less statism, less interventionism. And I think the people will rally around that because the outcomes will get better what, than what we have today. 
Yeah, that, that that's a fine message, sir. You have to get that out there. Uh, I'm liking the sound of that. Uh, well, I was trying, yes, but the, but the but the mainstream media blocking me. They're not they're not reporting on my proposals one bit. The other proposal I have, which I think people will love, is finally abolishing the federal gas tax of 18 cents and let the Pentagon uh, budget pay for the uh, federal roads because the uh, federal roads were were built under the uh, National Defense Highway Act in the mid-50s, which gave us the interstate Uh highway system. So let's tap the federal uh, Pentagon budget, which is really just out of control. I mean, they're spending so much money on these undeclared wars. We still have troops in West Germany, South Korea, Japan. Those wars have been over for 70 years or more. And so we've, we've got wait, wait, wait a second. On, on that point, you know, I've, I've looked into that, and I find, here's what I found, that it's desirable for us to keep these, believe it or not, to keep these troops in these foreign locations because it's much less expensive than keeping them here in the United States. Uh, I, I well, don't know if it's because of the strength of the dollar, but, uh, like, for instance, the troops in Korea, uh, because, uh, one, you know, I'm not a veteran. One one of my sons is a disabled veteran, and he's been in all the theaters of war uh, the, that we've had all over the Mideast. Um, and I was more worried about him when he was in Korea, actually, because it was just on our side of that DMZ. But uh, it's less expensive to house these men in Korea, I know for a fact that it would be if they had them based and housed here in the States. So now I'm I'm not a big fan of uh, global expansion, but I just wanted to point that out so that, uh, you know, because someone could in some uh, big media environment could counter you with that. So just caution, sir, because I found that out as a fact. And, uh, well, the thing is, we, ha- we have no constitutional authority to have troops around the world. There's none. Uh, I-, I read the Constitution. I, I-, I uh, became a U.S. citizen in 1959 and, uh, t- to defend the Constitution. There's nothing in the Constitution that says we have to have troops around the world because uh, no nation is going to attack us. I mean, we're just too powerful, and uh, no nation is strong enough to attack us, and why would they? Look, look where we're located. We've got two oceans protecting us. We have two friendly nations to the north and south. Uh, to, to, to wage a war against the United States is folly. I mean, why would anyone try to do it? It would be sheer uh, uh, suicide for that matter. So there's well, no reason you, no, to have no, no, troops all you, over the world. You are right. And we should have the troops you, at our border to protect our border. You, you, you are correct. However, you're discounting the fact that there's some crazy people out there. And some of these well, crazy people are, are actually are running nations. Well, that, that's you know, why so, we have so, to have no, I understand that no one should attack us who has a any kind of sense in their head, but we can't count on the fact that everyone will have the sense in their head. Like, well, uh, the is, <laughs> were you getting concerned with these North Koreans? Uh, they, they seemed like to have a... A uh, death wish, you know. Let's, you know, we'll die, but let's see how many other millions we can kill at the same time. Now, I don't live in Korea. I'm not on the Korean Peninsula, but I was very worried about that. W- weren't you concerned about their behavior? No, because the South Koreans and the North Koreans want peace for their peninsula. It's as simple as that. I mean, uh, why, why yeah, do they want to go to war? Do, and- but again, I'm to- no, but I'm just talking about. Uh, the leader not having all his marbles in the right place, you know, you know, not having 52 de- cards in his deck. That's always a concern. 
Uh, now, uh, Putin seems to have his feet on the ground, you know, just operating on his own national interest, but within reason. Same thing with the Chinese, but then you got, like, the Iranians, not just the North Koreans. You have the Iranians, too. Again, their leaders don't seem to operate with 52 cards in their deck. Uh, well, you know, the constant bluster that they do. Go ahead. I'm sorry, sir. Well, bluster is bluster. I mean, uh, Iran is, a, is a, a relatively poor country compared to the United States. They, a, they don't have a very strong military. They're, they're landlocked. Uh, they, have, they, they pose no threat, just like our, Iraq posed no threat to the United States, and yet we oh, uh, Iraq invaded Iraq. It, but Iran now, hold on, hold on. Iran now has hegemony from the Pakistani border to the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, I, I, Obama purposely pulled out of Iraq quickly so his buddies in Iran could fill the void. They're working with Assad. They've got Hezbollah is, you know, poor Lebanon is going on the fourth decade of being raped by some outside power. Now it's Hezbollah. They do have thousands upon thousands of missiles that... Uh, we can't shoot them all down. I, I know they, they are a second-rate power compared to us, but the damage that they can do in the Mideast to our allies or to other peaceful Arab nations uh, could be extraordinary before we uh, took them out. But, yeah, I agree. I still to this day don't know what the hell they were thinking going into Iraq probably one of the worst decisions in my lifetime between uh, Johnson going into Vietnam and, um, and uh, Clinton going in, into uh, 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 Bosnia. Uh, we have no national interest to try to make uh, these countries um, uh, behave in a way that we think they should be behaving. Uh, and so what we've got to do is uh, uh, let them, uh, let them uh, decide what is the best course of action because there are bad actors all over the world. We don't have the moral authority or the legal authority to try to sort out the conflicts that have been going on there for decades, if not centuries. So for oh, us to get involved, right, right. But well, the only thing we have to do is operate in our national interest. That's well, I, I uh, think should our be our concern. Is to have peaceful relations with uh, with other countries because we're spending yes. a fortune on, on on the military. We're spending close to a trillion dollars when you add everything up. And uh, with all those expenditures, we still couldn't prevent 9-11 from happening. So there's something wrong. I know. Now, can I tell you something also? Do you know why our military budget's so high? It's because we pay our, our service people a semi-decent salary, and that's why our expenses are so high. Uh, a lot of it is just payroll. You know, we aren't buying bullets and missiles. I mean, of course we are. But uh, the payroll was a big part of that budget. And, uh, you know, having a son that was in the service, um, I think these people could even deserve a raise, to tell you the truth, because you have, uh, you have privates and corporals with families on food stamps, and that's not right. You know, we, we always hear about the leftists complaining about the people working at McDonald's and they're having to go on food stamps. Well, how about someone ducking bullets and having to go on food stamps? You know, having to dodge IEDs and then going on food stamps with your family. But I, I just had to say that because, uh, in, you know, I have a, a, a personal insight to it. But go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Uh, well, the, the thing is, know, the thing is uh, we, ha we have no authority whatsoever to, tr 
to sort out the conflicts around the world. I mean, there are conflicts going on throughout Africa. There are conflicts in, in South America. There are conflicts in, uh, in Central America. And so uh, for us to go in there and say we have the moral authority, the legal authority, to sort out all the, uh, all the uh, conflicts that have been going on there, it, it, it's, it's, first of all, it's impractical, it's costly, and uh, we get blowback. That's that's the reality yeah, yeah. of what happened. Yeah, I, I know, I know. I, I would like to see less adventurism myself, uh, just because I know what these military families go through. Uh, it, you know, you have these eleven and twelve month deployments of men and women. They're away from their families. Um, it, it, it's not right. And then they're, like I said, they're paid a semi decent salary to boot. Um, it's not right just at the human level. And, you know, forget about the international and the finance and the one, just at the, the, the human toll it takes. Like, I, I saw how my granddaughters were affected when my son was old. He was in Korea for 13 months. He had one long tour. Um, I, I see how it affects that you have two children and their father's gone for a year. Um, and he's not the only one. His you know, it goes on millions of times, and uh, uh, too few of us are accepting this uh, burden. Uh, somehow it's got to be evened out a bit more. But uh, anyway, I, I just had to throw well, the, that the, in because... Well, well, the horror of this is that 22 veterans are committing suicide every day because of the horror of being in, in, the, in the Mideast. We're sending 18- and 19-year-olds who know nothing about the culture, who know nothing about uh, the the dynamics of the conflicts of the Mideast, and we expect them to come back uh, uh, completely uh, normal from when they uh, left the United States. I know, and they're ill-educated to to begin with. I mean, it's not like our education system is producing well-rounded citizens. No, they're, they're, they're producing uh, indoctrinated parrots from what I see. Uh, you know, having witnessed and gone through all sorts of school systems with my five children, including college, you know, I've clearly seen that. Uh, what uh, do you teach now, sir? I teach finance. I've been teaching it for 33 years. And uh, uh, which teaching school finance, are you at? I'm at Ramapo College in Mawa, in the northern part of uh, New Jersey. And, oh, it's um, beautiful up there. It's beautiful. Up absolutely. There. And so uh, I think I have the uh, the abilities, the knowledge, the uh, uh, the perseverance to bring my expertise about the uh, federal budget, taxation, and all the other fiscal issues that are uh, really in bad shape in Washington D.C. Uh, we had a 1.2 trillion dollar uh, uh, deficit last year. Uh, yeah. We have a 21 trillion dollar debt. And uh, this is a good economic time. So what if happens when we have another recession and the and the and the budget deficit uh, winds up to be uh, three trillion dollars? So we have a yeah, the income uh, side scenario of the ledger unfolding. goes down. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm tax- very familiar with accounting. I've automated major accounting for major firms uh, back in the '80s. So although I'm not an accountant, I'm very familiar with the GATT and accounting principles. Uh, having automated them uh, back days when uh, computers were being introduced into the more into the business environment, more so than they previously had. Um, th- those were exciting times back in the 80s, even more so than now. But anyway, um, how about on what's your position on, because I asked this of the other candidate, 
um, trying to keep everything on an even keel. What's your position on immigration, sir? Well, being an immigrant, um, I'm not going to scapegoat the people who don't follow the procedures that we did when we came to America in 1949. Having said that, we, ha- we followed a process. We, uh, we got sponsorship to come to America, and that's the way it should be. Uh, and this way you're not a burden on uh, taxpayers. You come here. Your sponsor takes care of you until you can get established financially with a job and what have you. And uh, that's the way it should be, uh, it should be done. But uh, the way the politicians uh, uh, have uh, overturned immigration policy since the 1960s, uh, they, they haven't had a procedure which allows people to come here legally. And so uh, th- that makes it uh, consistent with what we should be doing with, with, uh, with immigrants. So, again, we need to have a reset with uh, immigration policy because there are people waiting outside the country 10, 15 years to come to America legally. There are people coming across the border. That's why I've, I advocate bringing the troops home and let them guard our southern border so people uh, don't come in. Uh, without sponsorship, without proper sponsorship, without proper vetting. Right, right. Yeah, just as you know, just the same way. You know, I love this way the left to say, "Well, we're a country of immigrants, right?" But we were a country of orderly immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of white people weren't pouring across borders, north or south, or swimming the oceans, what have you, and coming here and going, "Oh, pay my rent, pay my food." give me a phone, and pay my legal bills to fight my uh, illegalities. Uh, we, we didn't have any of that back then. So if uh, persons of color are upset with us, well, just know what we had to go through in order to become and have the honor of being an, an, an uh, U.S. citizen. Now, I wanted to ask you, you said you came here in 49. That was... A few years after the war, where did your family come from? Uh, my parents uh, were the only ones in their families to survive the Holocaust in Poland. My father was a battalion Ouch. commander. Led a, he led a group of the Nazis, and uh, uh, obviously he survived with uh, virtually everyone intact from his uh, battalion. And uh, and then they decided to come to America, realizing yeah, that, because uh, then. It- after the Nazis were kicked out of their uh, uh, scourge of Poland, then the Soviets came in. Right, and, right. And he, he, you know how, uh, like, uh, uh, I'm familiar with the story, how they they would, the uh, Warsaw Ghetto uh, combatants were double-crossed by Stalin. You know, he, he purposely egged them on made them stand up so that the Nazis would kill more of them and he would have to kill less of them when, when he came in. You know, that, that goes more in line with our socialist Marxist uh, behavior that I was uh, l- lamenting earlier on in the show. But, wow, out of Poland. You know, my parents, oh, my father, he came out of Malta. And the thing is, my grandfather was very politically astute, and he knew war was coming. And just before the war broke out, he got a family over here into the United States because um, he, he saw it coming. My grandfather was also uh, imprisoned by Mussolini and the fascists uh, because he was you know, trying to battle Mussolini in Italy, even though he was Maltese. Uh, you know, the Maltese and the Italians are completely different uh, 
governments, countries, and peoples. Uh, and everyone in the family told me they thought he was dead because he was in jail for almost a year. All of a sudden, he popped up back in Malta. Uh, he, you know, it was some story. My grandfather, classic European, spoke seven languages. Uh, you know, something uh, something the uh, American citizens don't have to deal with, although although now we're having more Spanish language introduced into our culture. But, uh, you know, if you're in Europe, uh, like, like the, every Swiss person I've known has spoken three and four languages. Um, but coming out of Poland in 49, oh, my God, that had to be uh, just un- unbelievable. You know, that that's one thing that our youth today are being neglected with is a history of what's transpired. You know what? We have a caller coming in. Let me see if they have a question for you. Okay, sir? Because I advertise we'd be on the air. Hello, caller. You are on the air with Mark and Murray Sabrin. What say you? Hello? Hello? Sorry about that. I just joined in on the show. I just want to know what it is exactly we're talking about because I kind of got a little bit lost. Okay, so what exactly do you you want clarified? Well, I just want to know what we're talking about first, and then I'll clarify because it says. Oh, uh, well, I, well, Mary Sabrin was talking about how some of his policies uh, differentiate from the standard Democrat Republican cookie cutter. That's what we were talking yeah. about predominantly. And um, then, uh, well, I mean, Mr. I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say because I'm normally Republican. I want to, uh, what's uh, the Trisha Flanagan? What, what's her policy? What she's uh, she's more in line with uh, the Republican platform and the Trump message more so than Bob right. Hugan. Um, and Mr. Sabrin is in a category all by himself. You know, he's a, he's the Libertarian Party. Uh, if you were listening to him, he does have some very, very uh, interesting proposals uh, for business yeah. and taxation, etc. Uh, you know, I definitely give him credit for that. I don't hear Menendez spitting that out. Um, and Yugen uh, looks like he's too busy, uh, you know, trying to tack left because New Jersey is uh, almost a blue, full blue state. Um, so right. that's what's been going on. That's what's been going on. All right, well, well, I mean, they both sound like they have their pros and cons. I just want to know one thing, though, about Murray Sabrin. I haven't heard him uh, talk about that much. Because I, I, I just recently moved from uh, Philly. I saw it with my Philly number two and everything. Uh, I just moved to uh, New Jersey about a couple of days ago, and I've already noticed that there's a shit ton of crime. Like, there's niggers everywhere <laughs> breaking into people's houses. Whoa, and all whoa, 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 back it up, Charlie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on, we can't have you talk okay. like that on the show, dude. You know what? Wait a second. I'm going to clarify this. You know, I've always looked at it this way. You know, people say, oh, 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 oh the, the, the blacks and crime. The crime historically is always going to be committed over a larger percentage 
by those people in the lower classes. I, I, I don't look at everything yeah. as race. I look at it as class. It's class. Because oh, no, I understand what? that. I, I understand that. Look, I'm not saying every black man is, you know, that word. I'm not going to repeat it because I know you guys don't really appreciate it. I'm, you know, there's decent black people out there. But I can't deny and say that the ones that are breaking into my home and the homes of other neighbors near me, you know, they're they're all black. I want to know what these candidates want to do about that because I want to know they're going to dodge the question and say, like, oh, yeah, they're criminals. They're not black criminals. I, I want to know they're going to do something about that. You know okay. what I'm saying? All right, all right Mr. Sabrin, the call has a question about crime, um, and uh, I know there's – a large sec- there's sections of Jersey where the, where the crime is just unbelievable. What say you, Mr. Saber? Right. Well, well, this is another example, another question that is, is, uh, reflects what's wrong with the country. Everyone's looking to for, uh, to Washington for solutions. Crime is a local problem. That's why we have local police, we have state right. police, we have county police. Uh, so if you have if there's a problem with crime, call up the mayor, call up the city council, call up the county. Um, Executive, call up the. Uh, well, I mean, I've uh, talked to the people in my area. I've talked to my neighbors. They just say they just have to deal with it because every time they bring it up with either the police chief or the mayor, you know, they they don't normally do anything. They just sit there. What town are you in, sir? sir? Can I ask you what what town are you in? Uh, the same town that your mom's in. You fucking faggot. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. You know what? I think, you know what, Mr. Sabrin? Uh, I'm battling several, uh, I call paid mercenary trolls on Facebook. So yeah. I suspect that this was one of them. You know, he was trying to bait us. You know, he was trying to bait us with the uh, N-word. We have one minute left. So listen, Mr. Sabrin, you want to get something in? Uh, do you have a website or something you want to uh, publicize? Absolutely. We have SabrinForSenate.com, and the goal of this campaign uh, is to get 10,000 supporters around the state, which is uh, uh, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the 5.8 million registered voters in the state who love the message of peace, liberty, and prosperity. And if they can get 100 people to the polls, we'll have a million votes. So we need 10,000 okay. Sabrin supporters all over the state to get the message out to 100 people so we can get a million votes. And by doing so, we will show that you don't need big money to win an election, and you don't need to insult your uh, your uh, opponents, but you need to have clear ideas of how to deal with, with the problem facing the country. Uh, and therefore, uh, I think I would be the best uh, U.S. senator that New Jersey could have instead of the two uh, major parties. Okay, all right, thank you. I'm sorry I have to cut you off. We're we're, we're out of time. Uh, I'll see everyone next week. We'll have a new guest. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.